Cassandra Lee sits at the modest desk in her dorm at the Temple of Bry, hunched over a messy pile of papers with a charcoal pencil in her hand. She frowns down at the drawing, which sort of looks like a spider with sharp legs and an enormous head. She scribbles it out. She scribbles long and hard enough that whatever it was, it isn't recognizable as anything anymore. She grits her teeth, crumples up the paper, and throws it on the floor behind her. Right. You don't understand what you're trying to tell me. No one responds aloud. There doesn't seem to be anyone else in the room. She shakes her head and positions a new sheet of paper in front of her, then closes her eyes and starts drawing once more, letting her hand move wherever it sees fit. Over the next several minutes, an elaborate sketch takes shape of a huge structure embedded in the ground at an odd angle, as if it fell there. The sun is rising over the back of this structure, and little clumps of dirt and pockets of scrub grass have begun to grow on it. The tools she's using to make the picture are quite simple. The android has somehow managed to capture the way the sun glints off the metallic surface of this mountain-like structure, making the surface of it look like shimmering silver. And then, when the drawing is finished, she writes a single word in all capital letters at the bottom of the page. Cassandalee puts the pencil down and opens her eyes, looking over the strange drawing she's created. Help? Help? Does someone need my help? Do I need help from this place? Can't you just say, what do you mean? There's no response. There never is. This is Pot Against the Machine. Welcome back to Pot Against the Machine, the only actual play podcast that boldly and brutally bashes bulky belkers. I'm your host, and here's everybody. That was amazingly alliterative. Yay. Hello. Alliteration. Hi. Hello. Hey. Can can I Previously, petition? What? No, I got to interrupt. Uh, can I petition? <laughs> it's important for the listeners uh, that Zach now introduce every episode with Rawhide, let's go, because I love that. What was he talking about? Keep listening to the bloopers. I'm editing this one. <laughs> All right, Sam, you may continue. <laughs> um, previously on the program, the party evacuated one lab and went to the next lab, the Swarm Research Lab, where they found barrels full of nanites that were just kind of chilling. And since those nanites were just hanging out, they shot them with a bunch of lightning. And then when they ran out of lightning, they shot them with a gun. And those nanites died, and it was very sad. And then the party left that lab, and they went to the next lab, where they found a belker. They got the job, the job, they got the jump on the bulky belker, and they blasted it to bits before it even got a turn. And then they found an ever-smoking bottle in a weird turbine that was supposed to make a smoke bubble, but the belker had broken. The bee thing has just become automatic. Um, <laughs> after that, they journeyed up the final flight of stairs to the pyrolytic spire, the top 
of the choking tower. And there they found a large and active lab that was being worked on by two shiny, fancy, four-armed, cloaked robots who basically ignored the party for a little bit until the party started talking. And they came over and they asked if um, Furkishoud um, needed help. Um, Asher did a really good job lying to them and just totally tricked them super good. And um, they attacked for no reason because they were tricked. Um, but the they threw down grease and they threw down stinky clouds and webs and um, Asher just melted one of them with an EMP pestle. The other one hung around for a while, tossing spells and running away from Kira, until eventually the party converged on it and just took it to absolute pieces. And that's where we stand now, at the top of the tower, with no more robots in sight. I think with that, Brixby is, like, when the last one falls, is just going to kind of turn and look around the room and then up and say... Do you see that, Jowan? Do you see that? Every little piece we're going to break it all. And just kind of collapses. That, of course, terrifies all of you because Brixby's still invisible. Yep. (laughs) Oh, where are you? It's out. I heard it. He's talking about himself in third person. Everybody attack that square. (laughs) So when I become visible, I'm like, Prostrate on the ground, just like, yes, making a vengeance angel on the floor, as you do. Um, and all the palpable vengeance. So, um, it looks pretty important what's going on up here. Uh, I think if we're going to, uh, well, throw a literal and or proverbial wrench, it's either going to happen here or down by the furnace. Both. I like that. Why not, Dose, indeed? Yeah, Asher would walk back and pick up his revolver that he dropped. He's going to put the spent EMP pistol in his backpack for now. And he's kind of spitting blood as he walks. Seeing a positive burst come from Alloin as he walks away, he's now only down 40. Yeah, right before he walked... Oh, wow, I... Did not realize he got hurt that bad. <laughs> yeah, Asher went toe-to-toe with the robot for a, a round or two. Yeah, I I guess I didn't realize it was doing that much oh, damage. Oh. Yeah, he'll, uh, off camera, but he'll heal Asher the rest of the way back up. Toes have bones, Sam. If that went toe-to-toe with <laughs> it, Alan should have been able to shake. <laughs> Robo-toes are not bones. Everybody knows that. Asher looks around at all these cool pipes and he sees like different colored smokeness. Could you remind me of the flavor text? Flavor text wise, you're looking at a large chamber with a tall conical roof. A tangled mass of whistling pipes run from the floor of the room through the ceiling. Colored smoke issues from this central core of pipes pervading the room with a hazy sheen. Tables throughout are covered with bubbling cauldrons, smoking alembics, and delicate mechanical contraptions. Three large tanks filled with colored fog stand in the northern side of the room, and then large metal bookshelves are crammed with books and papers. Asher's just gonna peer at the tangle of pipes. 
he doesn't imagine he'll be able to glean anything from the bookshelves without arcane knowledge. Well, the um, tangle of pipes itself looks like it's just the final end of all those pipes that run basically the entire length of the uh, smoke or choking tower all the way up from the furnace you found in the basement. And from here, they emerge into the, the roof and vent their horrible gas off into the atmosphere and smoke up those woods. With a whopping three on the dice for an 18 knowledge engineering, uh, does Asher think there's anything he could do worthwhile to damage these pipes, or is it really just going to be going back downstairs and cutting off the source with the furnace? It seems like you'd be more likely to hurt yourself by attacking these pipes, just like by burning yourself, really, and filling the room with smoke than um, hurting the furnace. Uh, you probably got to go to the source for that. Um, I, I, what's going on on those workbenches? So very much. I'm going to roll a 23 for a 17. Or sorry, a 17 <laughs> for a 23. That was impressive rolling. I mean, you can see, just like scanning this stuff, that there's tons of fine lab equipment here, like the kind of stuff that um, you'd find in Starfall, you'd find in Technic League facilities, and you're not really going to find anywhere else. There's a total of 100 pounds worth of rare and delicate lab instruments, uh, worth about 1,500 gold combined. You can also see on these benches and, like, stuffed into... Um, shelves and stuff. You've got um, 120 silver discs, 10 batteries, 4 rolls of ion tape, 2 zip sticks, 2 nanite canisters. Looks like there's a fire extinguisher over there. You know fire extinguisher. Um, cool. Oh, sure ready. And then there's um, a couple more things. Like a weird little machiny do that maybe you don't recognize. And there's looks like there's some scrolls and um, a weird kind of horn looking thing. That's interesting. And um, like a, a bottle. Uh, detecting magic on this stuff, does any of it detect as magical? Like obviously other than the scrolls. <laughs> um, we've got the scrolls, we've got the little weird bugle is uh, magical. The um, glass bottle with a cork in it um, appears to be magical as well. Uh, looks like those cloaks that the robot assistants were wearing uh, also magical. And then there's also this um, two-foot-long metal cylinder um, just sitting on one of the desks uh, that is also radiating faint abjuration magic. So that is a 12 on the die for a 30 to uh, try to figure out what some of this magic stuff is. Let's see. You've got three scrolls of gaseous form. One scroll of recharge. A horn of fog. Because we have to be on theme here. A horn of fog is a small bugle that allows its possessor to blow forth a thick cloud of heavy fog similar to that of obscuring mint. Fog covers a 10-foot square next to the horn blower each round that the user uses to blow the horn. The fog cloud travels 10 feet each round in a straight line from the emanation point unless blocked by something. 
It also makes a deep foghorn-like noise. Um, the fog lasts about three minutes. <laughs> and then the um, bottle is a bottle of air, which looks like an empty bottle, but in taken into an airless environment, it retains air within it at all times and continuously renews its content. That means that anyone can draw air out of it to breathe. The bottle can be shared by multiple people, passed back and forth. Breathing out of the bottle is, of course, a standard action, but the character doing so can then act for as long as she can hold her breath. May we never need you. And then that um, weird rod um, of a unidentified metal. Um, with the spellcraft test check, I will tell you it appears to be a magical key of some sort. In addition to basically being a masterwork club. Maybe the key to the furnace? Turn it off. Boop. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. I was trying so. to think what we ran into that needed a key. So there's still a tiny machiney? Um, yeah, there's a weird little handheld machine. And um, there's also, I would do like in engineering or... I guess probably just an engineering check on the rod, because there's something else to know about it. Oil him if you got him. Brixby's going to stir some oil in his hand, because he also, you know, prepared technomancy. So this is the only time I'm going to get to use it. So I rolled a six for a 33. Well, the little handheld unit is a time-worn chemilizer which has an extendable wand tipped with a sampling nozzle that grants a plus five competence bonus on all craft, alchemy, or knowledge engineering checks to identify unknown pharmaceuticals, poisons, chemicals, or substances. It cannot aid in the identification of magical effects or items like potions. And since it's time-worn, does it have like a full, like, ten battery charges or something? It's got seven charges left. And how long is a charge on this thing? Uh... One use, so basically you get uh, one identify per charge. Didn't Sandvale have something like this on him? Speaking of greasy. Yeah, I think so. He probably did. He might have even had the same item, but it's been a very long time. And does the 33 tell me anything about the key? You can tell that this key, which is a, a dull coppery metal that you know just looks like metal, this is actually made of horacalcum, or oracalcum, depending on regional uh, decision-making there, which is quite possibly the rarest of sky metals. This metal is known to have the amazing property of warping time around it. It can slow it down or speed it up due to its extreme rarity. It's, it's very, very unlikely to be found um, in quantities greater than a pound. Um, although weapons and fearsomely expensive armor made from the metal allow the wearer to react more quickly and also to perceive time around them moving more slowly. Any damage done to orichalcum mends itself after just 24 hours. Now this is a fu functionally a masterwork horicalcum club. And like when you say it makes you fast, is it like like add initiative bonus or I would have to go look at a different page <laughs> I can dare you ask man. that question man you're making me look just... at a different phonetic my way through that 
Um, a weapon made of Horikakum gains a plus one circumstance bonus on attack rolls. Uh, an entire suit of armor made from this metal is fantastically expensive, as said before. Um, grants a plus one on initiative checks for light armor, plus two on initiative checks for medium armor, and heavy armor grants a plus three on initiative checks. Crazy. There's also tons and tons of Fergus's journals here just cramming the bookshelves. And it looks like if you sift through them, the cream of the crop is like 20 pounds of books on um, technology, on swarms, on air elementals, on smoke, magic, mist, air, all, you know, you know Fergus's deal by now. But uh, it looks like if you took time to sit down and study all this stuff, and I mean like days of reading through it, you would get yourself like a innate bonus on knowledge checks to identify those sorts of things. Oh, that goes in the bag. <laughs> They're also worth about four grand to anyone interested in that sort of stuff. So once all four of us have read it and gotten that bonus, we can sell them. Did I miss what those cloaks were? Uh, plus two cloaks of resistance. They're in that thing. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I don't know if I said it out loud. Two of those. Somebody has has one already, right? Yeah, I took the one we got off uh, Zhao's body, so two more people now can upgrade from a one to a two. Bixby and Kira should. Asher saves her. Still probably highest on most things, if not everything. I will take it as I did die because of two saves, saves. Yeah. so I will yeah, definitely. throw I will throw the plus one into the bag that we can sell later. So, um, we need to destroy the furnace. I don't know what it's going to take. Um, it might require, like, a spell or something um, that needs to be prepared. We should go down and look at it. Um... I can't believe I'm saying this, too, but part of me just feels like we should just kill the worm man versus just leaving him in a basement forever. I suppose you all understand where my apprehension to assign that fate to anyone comes from, but I understand it's also not tactically intelligent. He's a dangerous man, and while he does have an interesting item, it, it could be a formidable enemy. In this fight, you remained invisible while hurling your magical attacks. Is that something you could do again against this worm? Not today, but tomorrow I could prepare that magic, as well as the spell I tried last time to just take it out of his hand. But I'd have to rest. If everyone is okay with it and we want to address the Nargan situation, we could go down, look at the furnace, see if there's anything special to it or if it's more of a disabledy devicey. And we could prepare, truly put this to rest tomorrow. Or, I mean, I'm obviously open to what people want to do. I'm concerned that Zhao may come back tomorrow, be sort of the earliest 
we'd expect him to appear. So if it's at all possible, we can disable or destroy that furnace today, I'm all for it. Even if it takes, you know, your magics, you're prepared to magically relocate us while we smash it to bits with adamantine weapons and as soon as it looks like it's about to explode, you get us out of there. Something like that might be possible or, you know, you can just disable it perhaps. Maybe that key we found will let us turn it off too on top of getting into it. And we won't have to do anything extra. Well, let's go check it out then. There's nothing else up here. I, we should probably just go to the basement. Let's go break his stuff. I really want Kira to be able to break this. I don't want it to be a disabled device check. <laughs> I want it to be a hit point yeah, threshold. Kira smashing it with the sword. <laughs> I would just. I would love to smash some stuff. That would be awesome. Down for smashing. All right. So, take the stairs down from the ninth floor to the sixth floor, where then you can cross Shoud's bedroom and take the secret door with the weird key device that you disabled with the null blade before. You pop on down there, go down and down and down the stairs that run along the outside of the tower and down all the way back into the basement. Pop you back over there and come down the stairs and into that hallway. As we're about to sort of walk down that final stair to the basement before we went all the way down the hallway. Uh, Asher would have sort of placed a hand on Brixby's shoulder and said, Are you all right coming down here? We can take a look if you're not ready. No, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I, I saw that this, this amongst all the other things that we've laid waste to is what's pinning that stink his ghost to this place. I appreciate it, but I'm with all of you, and assumedly, it's not going to immediately kill me when I look at it, so if it does, then, well, it's been real. But jokes aside, thank you for asking. I, you know, he, he does feel a little apprehensive for stepping down there, just sort of that feeling of, you know, the the first time that you use a knife after it cuts you or you touch something after it's hurt you in some way. Um, there's just an undue amount of uncautious, uh, sorry, unconscious caution um, that you sort of exercise there. Um, and he appreciates Asher for recognizing that. But yes, laying this to waste. Though I worry that the noggin's probably still the most dangerous thing still in this building. After Zoud. If we get rid of Zoud, that is. Alright. Did we mention that Cassandra Lee's body is in the bag of holding? I feel like we should have mentioned that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> is she, like, in the blanket? Like, like, like blanket well, status in the bag. I think her brain was booby-trapped and exploded when Shaud went to study it. That might have even been what killed him. She's not in the blanket. Although I truly don't know how interdimensional spaces work. I guess... I guess she's... She's both in 
and not in the blanket. <laughs> All right. Yes, I, I appreciate the, uh, the the Schrodinger's robot situation we have going on here. I um, put uh, the jokes aside. Uh, oh, that, that, that. And he takes his kind of hand and puts it over his head and then lifts it off. That was Cassandaly. In there. Yes, perhaps with your expertise, we might glean more information. But I just realized I don't know if we really talked about it before, so... In case the furnace blows us all up, at least that's sort of, you know, not something that needs to be addressed on the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, you're in the basement, you're in this sort of spiraling hallway. Oh no. Now, as you come into the room of the smoke furnace... You see, standing in the oversized mechanical doorway of the pneumotechnic lab, which is still hanging open, there are three figures sharing the room with you. Three familiar figures. Um, One of them, who is beyond the doorway, and you can only see if you're standing at the correct angle, looks like one of those androids from the wreck of the Aurora, the mismatched, hunched, wild-eyed, artificial creatures that Android appears to be rustling around um, inside the lab looking for something. As to the second figure, um, it's been a bit longer. McShariel? You see, standing there, in the doorway, seemingly surveying the scene of that climactic battle between all of you and Fergus Shout, a tall, gaunt, elven woman with long black hair pulled tight and tied behind her head and piercing over-large and solid black eyes. This is Nixariel. Not quite the blackjack dealer that you may remember, but clad in a blackened metal breastplate and a billowing black cloak, and a series of fine spiked chains affixed to her clothing, crossing back and forth. On the finest chain of all, hanging around her neck, is a thick silver hook with a series of spikes on the inside of the curve. Behind that, a black and white cog badge of the Technic League. Her final accessory, and the last of the familiar figures, practically draped over her right shoulder, is what remains of the beautiful Parisian half-elf. The rage is gone from Alaris Aleshi's face. The color is gone as well. She's as white as a sheet, with blackened lips and blackened eyes and dozens of tiny raised scars and scabs all over her exposed skin and an absent, contented smile. Does she remind us of uh, what Garmin looked like when he attacked us in the middle of the night that time? Oh, she's, you're getting heavy Garmin vibes yeah. from Alaris. But it is, of course, Nixariel who turns to all of you as you come in and breaks the silence as you approach. She says, It's been a long time. I had hoped in my secret heart that it was you that I was chasing. Disappointing to see that the broken one hasn't made the trip, though. 
Perhaps he's been replaced. She cocks her head to the side, smiling, as her eyes start on Alwyn, and then they drift to Kira, and then to Brixby, then they settle on Asher, and they stay there, and she's sort of staring at him with uncomfortable intensity, her smile widening. Nixariel, it has been quite a while since the Silver Disc Hall. Unless I'm mistaken, you've transformed this Zolaris in some way as you did your former employer Garmin. Quite a dark power you possess. I hold no claim over the power that transformed these dear pilgrims. All credit belongs to the voice and screams. Knowledge religion? Can we roll a religion? You can roll a knowledge religion, yeah. So 28 for Bribby. Beats my 21. Still lower than Brick's 27. Um, so Alwyn and Brixby both, um, I think pick on this, pick up on this really obscure reference to the voice and screams, which is not a god per se, but a chitin or Velstrak, as they prefer to be called, uh, a Velstrak demagogue who's powerful enough to have godlike power uh, that goes by the name Sugros, who believes in cutting away imperfections uh, to become perfect in the extreme. This particular chitin demagogue, except for her lips to preach her voice and a mind to think, uh, sees the entire physical body as a distraction and seeks to free herself from it. So she's she seems nice. Oh, bad vibes. R- really bad vibes. Well, uh, pilgrims, you say. It's all interesting. What brings you, pray tell, to this tower? Kind of a odd spot to encounter an old acquaintance. Uh, she still has this just eerie and unblinking smile on her face, like Wednesday in Adam's Family Values when she comes out of the um, cabin where they make you watch um, Disney movies. No, nobody gets that <laughs> reference but me. No, no I, I do. I was All laughing. Right. <laughs> I, I'm not watching video, so I'm just assuming that my joke is falling dead. Um, she says, uh, I believe the same thing that has brought all of you here. If you would like to talk business, there was an android here. I, I know that. What have you done with her? Android? No, we were here because we encountered a divine moth-like being who was rather upset with the forest's current condition, so we were hoping to you know, turn off this smoke and restore it to its former dreamlike wonder. And, uh, I mean, that feels more like diplomacy than bluff, although I did kind of skirt around the android, but the reason we came was... It's a long dream. You tell me, do you want me to diplomacy or bluff? Uh, and can any of us aid on that? If it's a bluff, I'll aid. Add to the conversation. And if you want to say something to add into the story, corro- corroborate 
what else you're saying. This is a bit of an inconvenient truth <laughs> we're here to tell you. <laughs> That's really going to hit with our under, I don't know what, like 25 <laughs> crowd. Not all of them have seen Al Gore on a scissor lift. Um, it's, so wait, are you bluffing? Because I, mean, I can only help you if you're bluffing. I, I didn't get a clear answer unless I missed it. Um... I mean, I think it can be diplomacy for now. She did directly ask you, though, what did you do with the um, android? So you're kind of being deceptive and not answering the question. Uh, from my religion thing, would that be enough to know what chitons speak? I'm assuming it's either abyssal or demonic. I don't remember what chitons speak. I feel like Aklo would make the most sense for him because his book is written in Aklo if she knows it. Yeah, it's probably Aklo, Inferno, or Shadow Tongue, basically. Yeah, so he's going to say in this, like, weird, like, wet language, because it, it always describes it as, like, one of the first languages, so I imagine it just sounds like you're not even talking. But he basically says in this, you can trust us. We... We're just here to get rid of Zhaud, to help this moth. We've seen robots here, but... Well, we saw androids in that other place, and none of the robots here looked like them. And he says that to her in Aklo. And the... It, actually, I auto-aid, because I have a plus 12. Should've let you roll then. <laughs> uh, did, did Bricks roll to aid? <laughs> I don't think he can. I, I thought yeah, I think he can only Sam was saying right. we needed to do bluff. Right. Yeah, I, I think it probably has to be a bluff. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's still yeah. a plus twelve either. That thing I said earlier about an inconvenient truth. This is a dirty twenty. Now, we're a bunch of hapless do-gooders trying to clean up this tree-hugging moth's forest. Sounds like us, right? Very on brand. Should have let both either of you roll. Uh, so uh, with the two aids, a total of a twenty-one, because I only had a seventeen. So she sort of glances down at the the floor, and um, the smile fades slightly to a more serious look, and she shakes her head and she goes, "There's no point in lying to me." There was a body here. You were here. You fought that machine. Oh, there was a body. You've done something with the body. Yeah, there was a body. You probably see the bones smashed about. That was Fergus Shoud's corpse, to the best of our knowledge. We have his head. Yeah, look, it's in the bag. That's the only thing in the bag, though. Look, it's a head. And then, you know, Asher... Would just kind of cash, scooch up behind Kira, non-threateningly pull a skull out of the bag of holding. <laughs> non-threateningly pull a skull out. Accidentally grabs Cassandra and pulls her out. <laughs> nope, nope. It's magic. It just knows what I need. Yep, see, there was a bunny. You're right. I didn't, wasn't trying to hide that from you. And she says, I do not wish to harm you. Not in this context. There are better places for that sort of game. 
I know that you have done something with the android. And that body is no of no value to you. But it belongs to the technically. And her eyes have sort of fallen on the bag of holding. And instead of looking at any of you, like she's looking at the bag. And she says, It would be very easy for you to simply hand it over and walk away. I think it'd be harder than you realize. You know, assuming we had this body, hypothetically speaking, because um, we don't like you. You know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't speak for the group. I don't like you. No, do it. Do it. Speak for all of us, big stuff. You are a mouthpiece. We don't like you. Also, no. I've never met her, but I'm starting to not like her just from this conversation. (laughs) She's very insistent. That's... I have to say I'm hurt. How much HP? Are you? I thought we were friends. Bet you like that, Kitan. She sighs and um, she's got a hand sort of on the the hook hanging from her um, neck. And she says, you may think that I am your enemy, but I do not believe that to be true. I want all of you to become your best selves. The voice in screams insists that we all strive for perfection. She would never abandon any of you. And her eyes sort of flick over to Asher. She would never demand of you something that you couldn't do. Something that wasn't natural. That wasn't possible. She would always seek to understand you. Others don't always try to understand the darkness, do they? I won't speak for what others do or do not intend to understand. But if we did find an android here, which would seem outrageous considering we've attested strongly that we have not, of what use would a body be to the Technic League? All Androphan technology belongs to the technically. This body is but one of many that they require for their research. Everything in the grounds. This cursed nation belongs to the people that are here. I don't understand where along the line you got this wrong. Technology belongs to the people of Numaria, not paper-cut-covered nightmare you've got going on here. I think she sighs and kind of shuffles to the right a little bit, kind of making Alaris go to the right so that um, this android can come out into the room. So there's three people on, on one side of the room, this sort of chitony display, and all of you on the other side of the room. She says, I've warned you multiple times. Body belongs to the technically. They will have it. I can take it from you, or you can hand it over. I do not want to hurt you, but I am extremely good at hurting people. Alwyn will speak up from the back, uh, still in Akla. 
and he says, You say you want us to all reach perfection, but you should know, especially if you worship what you do, that it's impossible to have perfection in this flawed world that was never supposed to exist. So please stop talking now. And would it be possible to, as a, since we're in the middle of combat a la the Zill under the mountain, as he finishes talking for him to cast a spell? <laughs> I mean, he can surprise round it and uh, drop a spell. Yeah. Yeah. He is going to surprise around it and drop a spell. Uh, give me a will save, please, for her. For Nixaria? Yes. Uh, that is a 30. Wow. Uh, nothing happens to her. I should have gone with a different spell, but I was like, <laughs> she's probably a really powerful caster. I'll do this one. And if she fails it, it'll be awesome. Uh, I'll okay. try to put McShariel in a maze. Uh, it wasn't maze, actually. It was oh. aphasia. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guessed another player's spell. Amasia. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think everybody, it's time to roll for initiative. And uh, we'll go with Brixby first this time, since he went last three times in a row last episode. Bribbles rolled a 19 for a 26. All right, Alwyn. That is a 19 on the die for a 25. Jeez. All right, Kira. Back down to single digits, a 5, 4, and 11. And Asher. That is a 12 for a 17. All right, I just got to roll Alaris. Oh, I think you're all going to be faster than any of my people. She got a 30 on her will save and a 10 on her initiative. <laughs> She's good at certain things. Caster. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> she has a particular set of skills. And um, oh, no. Brixby's up first. Is there anything that I could learn about any of them at this point by rolling? I assume in knowledge planes. Well, it'd be a, a planes to know about the chitininess. It'd be like a local to figure out class level -y stuff. All right, I'm gonna start with the planes. That is a 25. It looks like Alaris is the only one who's actually like a chitin. She ha is much like Garmin was, an apostle chitin, which is a sort of living being that has been partially transformed or is on the way to being transformed into a fully fledged chitin. They're often totally dependent on whoever it is that is responsible for their transformation as they were broken down by some kind of horrible tortures and just the worst rituals. You know from your experience with Garmin that there's going to be regeneration involved here. There's going to be like immunities to cold and spell resistance. All right, we're assuredly fighting Chitin. Um, let's roll Knowledge Local to see what's going on there. That's only a 19. You can tell that that um, Nick Shariel is a cleric of Sugros. Of Sigaros, you say? <laughs> I too love atmospheric Icelandic music. He's gonna take a shot 
that old McSherio. Um, so against flat-footed touch, we are looking at a twenty-one. Against flat-footed touch, a twenty-one will indeed hit. All right, here comes. You know what? I don't care about your spell resistance because this is a conjuration glob of acid that does two points of acid damage. Oh, eh. 16 points of sneak attack. And this was at Nixario or Alaris? Yes. Uh, Nixario. Okay. And then Brixby's going to take a 10 foot step to the east, sort of into the hallway, because he's got to dig into his bag now. All right, Alowin. Alowin is after realizing that uh, his mental stuff might not work too great on these guys is instead going to cast a different spell and the ground in a 10 foot square under uh Nixariel and alaris opens up into a pit and they both need to make reflex saves all right we'll start with alaris uh only a 14 for alaris that's a fail. And for Nick Shariel. Oh god, only a 12. That's also a fail. So it's 30 feet, so they take uh, 3 uh, d6 of damage. Uh, so they both take uh, 9 points of bludgeoning damage as they fall into this pit. Well, they don't like that. And they're both prone at the bottom of a pit. And you said it's 30 feet deep? 30 feet deep, yes. Alright. Not that that will matter at any point. Um, you going anywhere? Honestly, I think I'm in a good position. I'm standing directly behind both our frontliners, so I can heal them if I have to. I got line of sight, kinda, on the android. I'm good. Alright, that'll take us to Asher. Cool. Uh, Asher is going to swift action, spend a grip point to focus his aim, peering down 30 feet at Nixariel because uh, she is more than 25 feet away. These are not going to be against touch AC, so I'm going to not deadly aim, but I will shoot three times rapid shot. She's going to get a plus four because she's prone, blah, blah, blah. Uh... If I was smarter, I'd have waited till she stood up, but then she'd have killed us. So anyway, three shots. This is with the mundane round revolver. So that brings us to... We're looking at a 24, a 25, and a... 22 against regular AC. 22, 24, 25 against regular AC. Because she is prone, none of those hit. <laughs> oh, neat. Uh, well, mm. that's all right. That's regular, not touch. We're fine. We're fine. Uh, Asher will, however, he's seen this trick before. He's going to take a five-foot step uh, back so that he doesn't have to roll a reflex save and fall in the pit and get eaten alive. Free action, reload, end of turn. All right. Well, that brings us to um, Alaris, who is in the pit. And 
I think as a full round action, she is going to start muttering a um, prayer so profane that just hearing it makes you erupt in bleeding wounds. I'm going to need a will save from everyone. Oh no. Is this a spell or a spell-like ability? This is a supernatural sonic pain effect. Whew. Alright, what did um, Alwyn get in the save? Uh, Alwyn got a 14 for an 18. Alright, how about Kira? Uh, Kira got a 4 for a 14. And Brixby? Uh, Brixby rolled a 12 for a 20. And um, Asher? A total of 24. Alright, so we've only got one failure. Um, So... Was Asher? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So Kira is... um, Takes 33 points of non-lethal damage. That's so many points. He's staggered for one round and takes five points of bleed damage. Uh Uh-oh. I remember that one. I ever, everyone else not staggered and only 16 points of non-lethal damage. Oh, no big deal. That was a full round action, so she's um, still lying down at the bottom of the pit. Okay, well, the deformed android is going to go into a rage, but it's that weird super calm rage where it's like the chaos is drained out of its body and it climbs its way past this machine as difficult terrain and it climbs its way all the way up into the corner of the room so it's not next to the pit because Sam only makes that mistake so many times. Luckily, Kira hasn't gone yet, so no attacks of opportunity. As it walks, instead of pulling out a chunk of garbage like it had last time, this is a... Basically, a leather strap, it looks like, with some kind of hard core inside it, so it's like a leather-wrapped club, that it is going to swing at Kira. Like a blackjack. Uh, that is a 24 to hit versus uh, flat-footed. That's, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, 13 non-lethal damage as you get whacked with the... Blackjack sort of thing. And, um... It's your turn. You're bleeding. You got a robot in your face. It's a very tiny room. I really want to jump into the hole and attack people, but... I feel like I shouldn't do that because of strategy and plan. (laughs) Uh, so in... You're welcome to jump into the pit if you want to jump in the pit. No, the fact that you're telling me to do it makes me not. I'm just saying, would Kira jump in the pit? (laughs) Is the real question. Oh, that's the thing, though, is like she would. Is the tough part. Uh, I can't climb on top of the stove furnace, right? Like that's that's going to be difficult. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to finish my I'm going to I'm going to attack blue hair. Finish my turn here. Uh, and if I happen to fall in the pit, then I fall in the pit. That is a 16 plus a 19. That's going to be 
35? That can't possibly be right. <laughs> it's going to be a 40 minus 5. So 30. 35. That, that's enough to hit, I would. I think. I'm confident. If it isn't, we need to leave. <laughs> I'm confident okay. that you, you've hit this particular being. 6, 7, 8, 28 points of chainsaw damage at uh, that particular being. How many points was it? Uh, 28. Doesn't That's all go through? Of of chainsaw damage. Does all go through? Woo-hoo, you found something it. without chainsaw DR. Um, I didn't move, right? Right. Oh, and oh. if you're raging, you're hasted too, right? Yeah, I am doing both of those things. Raging and hasted. I don't know if I said that, but uh, I feel like it's a default thing. Oh, that I did say it because I had to heal. Um, or I will have to heal. So I'm going to keep attacking. That is... That's my third one of the night. Putting that dice away also. And we're going to try one more time. That's better. That is a 15 for 26. Success. Mm, 6, 26 points of uh, chainsaw damage. The robot can't even last a round. The deformed android goes down. Yes. And then now I will heal some of that. So do I take bleed on the first one or is it just any? Nope. All good. Great. Yeah, so then I will make my reflex save. And the bleed goes away. You could also occupy the fallen android spot if you wanted to. Ooh. I mean, I know you also kind of want to fall in the pit. <laughs> you sort of want the dice to tell you that you're already in there. I know you. <laughs> I mean, we can cut this out. <laughs> I'm not trying to, you know, yuck your No, yuck yeah, I don't. Pit fights. <sighs> what would be the smart thing to do is the smart thing is get out of the way. So Kira is going to do the thing that she would actually do and just stand there. Hey, that's a not 20 on my reflex save. So maybe it's fine. It's a re- hey, it's reflex, you don't fall right? in the pit. Yeah. Don't fall in the pit. Cool. <laughs> Kira looks slightly disappointed. Yeah. As she was about to walk away, uh, Asher would have free action <laughs> dropped the skull of Fergus Shout back into the bag of holding. Because <laughs> it's been holding it this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Not a little, you know, Hamlet diatribe. Or... In the background. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Jero <laughs> and I are in sync for the literary references right now. Yeah, bye bye bye. Beautiful. <laughs> Last poor Zoud. I knew him way more than I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> That'll bring us to Nick Shariel's turn. And let's see. She. Surrendering is a free action. She's going to stand. <laughs> That's true. She's going to stand up, I think, because um, laying down's no fun. And um, let's see. Just looking at what she's got. I'm sure she can hear the chainsaw and probably heard the results of the chainsaw. She's going to point a spell at Kira. We will need a fortitude save. Got this. Save. Um, B6. What? 26? B6. Nothing happens. 
this year. It was worth a shot. <laughs> Brixby, you are up. I had a real cool round where I spent a full round retrieving a thing. Thing Sound, retrieved. Sounds like a cool round. That's, that's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alwyn, you put the bad guys in a pit. It was very mean. Uh, he is going to cast haste on the three members of the party that are not currently hasted. And uh, then... Yeah, no. Okay, so yeah, that's all he does. Alright. And um, Asher. Jumping in the pit? Uh, no. Uh, instead, uh, since he has a free hand now that he's not holding a skull, as a standard action, uh, Asher will... Uh, retrieve a grenade from his backpack. Uh, it's a free action to prime and arm a grenade. So he is just going to uh, take a five foot step up and free action arm a grenade and drop it into the pit. And that does leave me here, but that's fine. We'll roll a reflex save. And I got a 19 exactly. <laughs> I got a little nervous when I saw that number on the dice. <laughs> kind of wobbles a bit it's, and then manages to keep his footing. <laughs> nice. It's the the DC is 19 on that. On the reflex save, yes, 19. Yeah. It's not very nice. All right. That'll bring us back up to Alaris, who is, of course, regenerating all this time. Any damage she may have taken. Let's see. What's she going to do? She could just keep talking smack, but I think instead what she's going to do is she can see up out of the pit and she can see Kira and Asher. Hello. She is going to fire off a couple scorchy doodles at Asher, um, but she's going to use something called uh, ranged ledger domain where, no, that's not the right thing. No, that's my thing. No, but, but she disables my no, device. No, but she had... The belt comes undone. <laughs> What's the thing with the automatic sneak attack? Oh, uh, that that's literally... Uh, what is it? Impromptu sneak attack. Impromptu sneak attack. Because she is also an arcane trickster. Oh, no. In addition to being a magus and a rogue and an apostle chitin. Uh, it is a... 22 versus touch to hit Asher. He does have so he does have cover from the pit angle. It's gonna hit me, bro. All right, um, the other one's even better. So that one misses. All right. <laughs> Do you need me to roll the fire and sneak separately? Not at all, sir. That is a total of 46 fire damage from the two scorchy doodles. Hitting old Asher. Those are, of course, lethal. And that'll be the end of Alaris's turn. Alright, Kira is up. You're outside the pit, which seems like such a bad place to be. Yeah, I was gonna say, Kira sees this and goes in the pit, but I think we just threw a grenade in there, so <laughs> so maybe she, uh, Kira has, well, Izzy has better foresight than Kira does, I guess. Izzy is an adult, mostly. So I'm gonna have to find something else to do. Boo. Uh, let. I guess let's composite longbow him then. 
<laughs> Gosh, I don't even know. If I, can, I will drop that, not in the pit, behind me somewhere. Um, drop the chainsaw. Chainsaw falls it. in the pit. <laughs> I said specifically Make behind sure me. Make sure it gets a, a level of Blood Rager automatically. It's not great. That's uh, an 18 to hit. Um, let's go for Nick Shariel. Yeah, she's still lying on the ground um, down there, so her AC is amazing right now in the pit. That will not hit. All right. She's going to just tank laying at the bottom of the pit. Uh, that's that's me. All right. Well, Nick Shariel is annoyed with all of you. <laughs> she does work for the Technic League, though. She's familiar with grenades. She's going to pick the grenade up. And she's just going to huck it into this square in the corner of the room. Um, she does hit the DC-5 to hit a specific square. So, uh, What's the range on a grenade? Because she's 30 feet down. Oh, yeah. Thrown item is usually only like a 10 foot if it doesn't specify. Yeah, because she's 30 feet down in a hole. <laughs> so it's her third range increment. Well, let's see now. Yeah, she still makes the DC Darn. 9 <laughs> to hit a square. Oh, it only um, goes up. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, it's two per range. Let's do the geometry because she throws a little too hard and it's going to bounce right back into the pit. Yeah, bounces off the wall and. Um, <laughs> um, oh, yeah, Izzy, you do need to make a reflex save with regards to falling in the pit. That's uh, a 22. Okay, you still don't fall in the pit. Why don't you want to fall in the pit? I do want to fall in the pit. I have been trying to fall in the you pit. You can fall in the pit at any time. If you want to. It's the dice, Sam. I'm letting the dice tell the story. <laughs> story of being too scared to fall in the pit. Uh, Brixby's up. Oh, rude. I mean... <laughs> So here's the thing. Brixby pulled a grenade out on his turn. But now Brixby is going to take a five-foot step looking at the grenade that's on the ground with a word. And actually, you know what? I'm going to flex. Uh, you've got a little arcane trickster down there. I'm one, too. So let's tricky spell. Nothing. No word. No motion. Just a mage hand knocking that grenade right back into the hole. <laughs> oh. I love you. <laughs> Grenade ping pong. Grenades weigh one pound, Sam, so don't worry about it. And they're not technically a magic item. It was an unattended object. Mm -hmm. Deeply unattended. Mm -hmm. It's not, not very nice at all. Well, they don't call me Brixby Not Nice Rentail Foe for a reason. We're workshopping it. That's the end of my turn. Enjoy the grenade. Also, you said they don't call you that for a reason. It's like with the... <laughs> they don't. They, they don't call you that at all. Okay, so the thing Alan was originally going to take out was in his backpack, but the thing he's taking out now is in his belt pouch because he realized that it would be important in combat. So that I can get out as a move item. I mean, a move action. So he pulls out the wand of cure serious wounds that we got a couple encounters back so he doesn't waste all his spell slots and he is going to poke asher with it so asher is going to get back wow that was a bad roll uh 13 points of health that also importantly clears away 13 non-lethal yeah mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it heals them both at the same rate. Much obliged. Is it a reflex save time? Oh yeah, man. Good luck. <laughs> well, um, Nick Shariel gets a 24 on her reflex save, but I think Alaris fails with a 14. Yeah, it's DC 15, my dude. <laughs> well, if it counts as an enchantment, <laughs> no, she's okay. <laughs> I am going to do, because I, they've got weirdness, I'm going to do the fire and the electricity separate, because this is a the plasma grenade Ashley's been holding on to for a year or more. Uh, so 4d6 fire, full for Ilaris, that's 14, and 4d6 electricity, 13. So I got, so you just, you know... They're probably like vulnerable to all that. Sure. And so they take like a thousand. Makes sense. Alright, that wasn't very nice, but now you skip your turn because of that. Nope. I so. see that's weird is it just it just happens on the start of my turn. I have the entirety of my turn uh, <laughs> remaining. And as fun as it seems to to play, you know, like racquetball and, you know, just keep throwing them in, batting them out. Mage handing. I'm not going to bother with another grenade. I still have more. Then uh, Asher will just not deadly aim. Just rapid shot. And now we're hasted. So four mundane rounds going at Nick Charles. This is really good. Guys, this is really good. Got some good ones in there. Regular AC, sure, sure. But we're looking at over 30. Uh, so, yeah, we're looking at 30, 31, 28, and uh, only a dirty 20. So I know that one misses. Um, yeah, the rest of them hit. Okay. It's not going to be a ton without the deadliness, but... Uh, 16 points of damage. If there's a... Does she, I don't know if she has any DR, but if she does, I can give you it individually. No, she seems to all go through. Cool. Did she die? She's only level 1 still this whole time. It's true. She was just waiting with her with book 1 stats the whole time. And, uh... Well, let's take a 5 foot step back. Why would you do that? fun. Alright, so we're gonna go to Alaris' turn. Yeah, I think she is going to fire off a ray at Kira. It's only 14 versus touch. That'll do it. Uh, 66 on the blur. So I do need a fortitude save from you. That is gonna be a 27. All right, you pass, so you take a four-point penalty to strength. Whoa. For the time being. Uh, okay. Because you got hit with a ray of enfeeblement. You are enfeebled. Can I add that to my condition or something? And it's your turn, but you're too weak to take a turn, so you skip it. I'm going to, I guess bower again, or try to. It's a 24 to hit? 24 to hit uh, will not hit. 
Okay. I'm too weak. I am enfeebled. You're too feeble to ever hit. Um, stand next to the hole. Oh, shoot. Uh, no, I'm gonna step back into the room. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> you reminded me. Thank you for that. Whoa. Well, you would have gotten a chance to say it anyways when you got asked to make your reflex save. I think that's the end of your turn with one character left to act in round three. I'm going to bed. Good night, Pit Sam. Night, Sam. Night, Sam. Good night, Sam and McShariel and Alaris. <laughs> property of its creators, always preserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods Adventure Path are properties of Paizo Publishing. Please visit them at paizo.com for more information. Theme Against the Machine, written and performed by our own Zach. Please consult the show notes for additional music and sound effect licensing information. No, it's, it's a problem because my... Y'all are on this monitor. That's kind of what I figured is that you're looking at the monitor that has your audio in it, but I wasn't 100% sure. You got my name. Give yourself whiplash, Zach. (laughs) See, he's recording. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Rawhide. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, I just had a dumb joke. Please continue. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's all I'm doing. So (laughs) This is the best way to put a joke in. If I interrupt you again and again, sorry. And who do you think would specifically focus on that on the Discord, Asher? Which which user specifically do you think would bring that up? We could hyper focus on. I know there's a few people that have ran this adventure already, so perhaps Captain Collateral <laughs> Damage, our friend Sam, uh, somebody else, the one who helped with the maps. Rain. <laughs> oh, there's Rain and Sarathal. Sarathal, that's it. Yeah. Thanks, God. <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> a really good bit. We should keep it going. <laughs> now give me my spells back. That <laughs> <laughs> was actually the corpse of the Luko demon that's right in front of you that said that. I don't know how it knows about our Discord. It's, it's a planar travel thing. Uh, Luca Brasi. Yeah. <laughs> Luca Wilson. It's just like, wow, when we all walk by. What's left to ponder, amigos? Wait, wrong Wilson. Oh, <laughs> cut it out. That was Owen. I failed. <laughs> well, it's been fun, guys. Oh, and Owen Wilson's the wow one anyway. <laughs> it's Luke Wilson doesn't wow. What am I talking about? Oh, no. So we got to cut the whole Both thing out. This whole Wilsons, area yeah. is unusable. Let's take it from the top. This whole episode. Previously on the program. That's yeah. it. We're in the. <laughs> Start the episode over. Fergus is back. We're in the Owen zone. We got to get out of it. 
<laughs> 15 minutes of usable material.